Hello and thanks for tuning in for Tui's News, the podcast, another edition, another week. I'm Barry Tui alongside the the dab hand of the dial, <laughs> Simon McCarthy. G'day, Simon. How are you, mate? Dab hand. Oh, I like that. That's it's, very good. I'm, I'm very happy with I'm, that. I'm That's playing <laughs> it down a little bit, mate. I've been, I've been calling you the titan of tech and all those yeah. sorts of names. Yeah. Well, I've just decided to... You know, just downplay a little bit so your head doesn't get too big. That's the trick. So you undersell and over-deliver. That's yeah. it. That's, <laughs> that's it, mate. That's it. Anyway, we're here thanks to the Newcastle Herald and our major sponsor, West Group. I was actually at, um, speaking of West, I was actually at the West Rosellas reunion last weekend at the next club in town to um, to interview uh, Knights assistant coach Brian McDermott. Um which was a really good night and a big thank you to West board member Rob Darcy. Darcy, thanks for the invite, mate. I really enjoyed it. Anyway, after a, a controversial few weeks, um, you know, when the Knights were were thrashed by Parramatta, obviously, coming off that big loss to Parramatta, and then we had the um the bash up. The bash up we call it in the in the media, in some sections of the media. Uh, for the club to have the audacity to give the players some time off over the bye weekend. Um, yeah, that uh, created a bit of a storm in a teacup, mind you, but still, um, yeah, it did create a bit of a storm. And uh, thankfully, the uh, the team responded um, in the best way possible with a with a great second-half performance to run over the top of the Titans at McDonald Jones Stadium on, on Mother's Day on Sunday. So... Great performance, um, and it I, I guess it was the game that marked the return of the brilliance of Kalen Ponga, um, who's been under uh, you know all sorts of pressure, and he responded like champions often respond uh, when they're under the under the pump. He um, he produced an outstanding performance, scored a try himself, set up a few others, um, and you know if you look at the game itself, he probably or didn't single-handedly win them the game, but his brilliance at that in that period of time in the second half was what won them the game. So great to see um, Kalen respond the way he did, um, given the sort of um, pressure, I guess, he's been under, which is a massive pressure, not only from the fact that he's, you know, he's a head knock away from being in all sorts of drama again, but also the fact that he played so poorly against the Eels and copped so much heat which was fair enough because he did play poorly but he took it on board one of the few players who who didn't go away um over the bye weekend or over the bye week that they had time off he he stayed behind and and trained and and uh it showed on the weekend so congratulations to Kalen and uh and to um Adam O'Brien I guess who was under 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 pressure to uh, move Kalen probably to fullback from uh from uh some influential type people in the in the media in particular, ex players, even the Knights assistant coach or coaching cord, no coaching assistant or whatever you want to call him, Andrew Johns, publicly said that Kalen should go back to fullback, but uh, Adam O'Brien stuck to his guns, left him at five eight, and um, he produced the goods, which was fantastic. Okay, this week, our um, our guest, well, he's he's had a bit of a I guess a controversial career. Uh, which we'll talk about, but right now I think he's one of, if not the most influential player um, at the club. If the Knights are to 
to make a run for the playoffs. I mean, you talk about Carlin Ponga, but I think this bloke is just as influential and just as important. Um, he's the man who's pulling all the strings with the Knights' attack. He's uh, the Knights' halfback, Jackson Hastings, and we'll have Jack- Jacko on the line straight after this. We're recording this. There he is. Reno. Hey, Phil. Hey, Buzz. Are we on? Are we recording? You're ready for us, are you? I am, mate. If you're ready, we can call me back. Oh, we are sort of recording, but I've got a little intro to read first before... Uh... Oh, Jesus Christ. And <laughs> 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 you know, I guess this week, Knights Prop, Daniel Safiti, Nathan Ross, Jared Mullen, Anthony Seabold, Jaden Braley. It's a great privilege to have uh, Tim Zhu, Mark Hughes. Hello, Hughesy. Mitchell Pierce, the greatest knight of all time. Paul Harrigan, good morning. Kurt Gidley, welcome to the podcast, kids. The one and only Kirk Reynoldson. Hello, Renner. Mate, I've been waiting my whole life for this, Barry. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Jackson Hastings, how are you, mate? Great to have you on the show. Yeah, good, mate. Thanks for having me. Um, took you a while to get me on, but we're here, eh? <laughs> well, I know how busy you are, mate, when, you, when you're training and, and playing and also uh, off the field, so I thought I'd give you a few weeks before I got you on. Nah, I appreciate that. I was only joking, but uh, no, nah, it's good to be on, mate. Appreciate good, it. Good to get you on after a win as well. That, that always helps. It always helps the mood, that's for sure, because you don't like. I don't think too many people like to see me after a loss. I don't think too many people like to see me in general, but definitely after a loss. So, um, nah, in good spirits, obviously. Uh, it was great to bounce back from a pretty dire effort. Um, just after a big week of scrutiny, a bit of pressure on a few people and as a club as a whole, and I thought we responded really well. The game was in the balance at halftime. It could have gone either way, and... The way we started, people were probably looking at us straight away thinking, oh, here they are again kind of thing. But we've got a resilient bunch. I've been saying it since I got here. It's a team built on hard work. We're trying to resemble what teams have done before us and being built on that real hard Steel City mentality and, and playing for the people whose highlight is to come and watch us play on a on a weekend and sit on the hill and pay their hard-earned money to watch us play footy. So um, it's something me as an individual I don't take lightly and um, – yeah, reconnecting with the with the fans and reconnecting with our community and playing for them certainly important to not only myself but the club and our coach and and staff hold that in very high regard too. So, um, as I said to you just before, it's great to um, great to bounce back and get a result after a pretty uh, poor performance the the week prior. Well, you mentioned being under the pump. The team was under the pump and you weren't weren't even playing. Um, you were had the, the bye break, obviously had some time off. You you obviously missed the the flight to Bali, mate, and had to go to Fiji, <laughs> Fiji instead, did you? Was, what happened there? Yeah, it was too expensive. Um, <laughs> with, all, with all the media, with all, sorry, with all the media talk about it, flights got a bit too expensive, so I went to Fiji instead. But, uh, yeah, I missed out on that one. The rest of the team went, so uh, they enjoyed it, apparently, um, from, from all reports. But not on, on, a, on a serious note, mate, um, you know, that was scheduled in, as you probably know, yep. from from nearly the day I got here, which was the second day of pre-season or third day of pre-season. And it wasn't to go away and to enjoy ourselves. It was literally to go away and get away from football for that extended period of time. And it was a lot for our partners and our family members. And, you know, we've got blokes that went home to New Zealand who have seen their family three times because of COVID and things like that. And people, people seem to forget that. So the nine days means the world to not only the players, but their mums, their dads, their cousins, their relatives that they haven't seen in a long period of time. And it was great for our, for the, for the older boys as well. Like people have got to remember, we've got blokes that are 32, 33 that have been at the peak of their powers for a long time. They get to 
legit put the feet up for six or seven days and spend time with their kids that they hardly get to see because we're here nine hours a day. So it was more than just having the days off. It was to refresh, refocus. And you can understand why people were critical of it, especially with the way we played, but understanding that it was there for a long period of time before that that loss. You know, we could have won by 40. It was going to be the same. Unfortunately, we lost by 40, which isn't good enough, and we're not happy with that. But um, I think it was really good for us at that point in the year, uh, that point in the season too. It's been hard sort of nine weeks and um, that little break sort of should give us the energy we need to go into this middle part of the season. Did it, did it help, um, you know, the, the, uh, the criticism, I guess, um, during that period, did it, did it actually help in the lead up to the Titans game? Maybe a little bit of added motivation? Yeah, I suppose. Well, I'm not sure, mate. Like I, for me personally, from what I've been through, nothing. Water, water off a duck's back. For yeah, you. yeah. I, I kind of giggle and try and play along with it a little bit. Uh, not stir the pot, but I just like to have fun with it. I mean, like I've been through so much in my life that it's just, a, just another day, and I'm not motivated by what someone in the media or a staff writer writes. It, it's kind of funny to me at this point. I'm 27 years old. I've been competent since I was 15, so. It, it literally does not phase me one little bit. Maybe for some others that haven't been through um, any kind of turmoil in their career, maybe it gave them a bit of motivation to come out and perform, I'm not sure. But from a personal standpoint, I'm pretty self-motivated and care so much about the game and, and the club I play for and, and the people within the organisation that I wanted to certainly be a part of the reason that we bounced back. And um, as I said, since the moment I signed you, if I can be a small part in helping others reach their potential, um, I'm doing my job, so... Yeah, no, nah, um, you have to ask the individuals, mate, but for me, on a personal standpoint, no. Yeah, no, fair enough too. Well, we, we'll talk about the Knights uh, in depth a little bit later, but I just want to yeah. go back to your um, career. I know you've spoken about it um, probably plenty of times before, but um, your your career, mate, obviously um, you kicked off your NRL career. I think you started at, because um, you were born in Wollongong, you started in the juniors at the Dragons, didn't you? And and went to yeah. went to the Roosters in, I think you might have signed at the Roosters at the back end of 2013. Yeah. Um, had had three seasons at the Roosters, um, a couple at Manly, um, filled with, well, not filled with controversy, but some controversy in and around it, which, which is why you went to England, basically. Um, yeah. Tell us about um, those years... And 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 what 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 was the problem with you? If there was a problem with you, why why do, why did why did people have a problem? Why did players supposedly have a problem with Jackson Hastings? Yeah, thanks, Abbas. You've um you've you've left me wide open there. Um, <laughs> nah, so yeah, obviously born and raised in Wollongong, um, raised by a single mother on the south coast, a small small town called uh, Warilla. Most people know Shaw Harbour, so yep. just around that area. Um, was just a lo- just a local junior that that loved his footy. Went and sat on the hill at Wynn Stadium, watched nearly every home game the Dragons played, um, and just wanted to play on that field one day as an NRL player. And um, you know, I'd stand behind after games and want to get jersey signed and and things like that. Get photos of my favourite players and and stuff like that. There wasn't a heap of games in Wollongong, and the, and then there still isn't really. The Dragons don't play a heap of home games there, so whenever I could get to a game and see my favourite player or people that I idolise, I'd, I'd certainly want to go there and um, went through the system at the Dragons, played Harold Matt's um, SG ball and then played 20s as a 17-year-old there. And at the back end of that season, I had a decision to make. Um, I had four clubs pretty interested. Obviously, the Dragons wanted to keep me. 
um, the Cowboys, the Roosters were ultimately went, and actually the Knights when Wayne was when Wayne was at the Knights, I almost Are signed you, there because of you brushed us because of him. You brushed us. Oh, yeah. No, nah, I just didn't. To be honest, mate, I'm a huge mummy's boy, and I didn't want to be too far away from my mum. I've got yep. two younger sisters that were at, starting their early stages of school and really starting to make friends of their own and find their own way in life, and I didn't really want to interrupt that and you know um, disturb that side of it too. So it was more than just a footy decision. But at the end of the day, I wanted to go to a place where I thought they could get the best out of me and and the quickest path to first grade and. Funny enough, that was at the Roosters. They had obviously Mitchell Pearce, James Maloney, and then Daniel Mortimer was off contract, who was a utility. Um, and I went there obviously as a half, but they sort of molded me into a person that could play a lot of positions. Um, I wasn't the greatest defender of all time, and they chucked me into the middle to do my wrestle, and I was getting bashed up by Boyd Cordner, Jared Rea Hargraves, people of that sort of calibre, and um, it taught me pretty quick that NRL is not. SG ball under 20s NRL is the hardest the hardest sport in the world and um, it taught me mental toughness resilience and, and obviously physical toughness too and um, and really enjoyed my time there obviously a, a Roosters fan growing up because I'm my old man and love Brad Fittler and, and players like that so to to get a chance to go there and play alongside like Sonny Bill or Mitchell Pearce Anthony Minicello Roger Tulvasashek Jake Friend Boyd Cordner Jared Rhea Hargroves this goes on and on and on but um Got to fill out a childhood dream. Uh, debuted as an 18-year-old. Um, my dad, my dad was 19 when he debuted, so I wanted to beat him, and I got him, I got him by a year. So uh, that was that was a pretty big thing for me. And then to win a minor premiership, my first game, and then to play a semi-final six days later was was like obviously an unbelievable feeling as a teenager, a year out of high school, and just moved out of my own. It was all, it all come to me pretty quick. And then the following year. Um, a few injuries happened and towards the back end of the year, I got to play halfback and we I think we won 10 in a row or something like that leading into the, to the last game of the year against the Rabbitohs for the minor premiership yet again. And, and this time I was able to be the halfback in that side alongside Jim Maloney to, to win back-to-back minor premierships to um, ultimately bow out in a, in a prelim in back-to-back games this time against the Broncos at Suncorp in front of a packed house. So, I mean, in my first two years, I think I played like something like 18 games two minor premierships, four or five finals games. It all happened really, really fast, mate. And as a 19-year-old, I suppose, um, you could say that, uh, I don't know if it got to me and, and made me think I'm better than what I was, but maybe in some aspects of my life, I probably thought I'd made it because of how quickly it all come to me. And when I look back on that and now that I'm 27 and there's people at the club here, not even here, but like people at clubs I've been to and when I've been a bit older and watch younger kids come through, I can I can see a bit of them in me and I, I generally like to try and put my arms around those kids because um, I um, probably didn't get that. Um, I didn't let people in and didn't let people close enough to want to help me. I kind of pushed them away and I think that's a big reason why I got a few tags of what I, what I got. Um, very, very hard-nosed and um, always had my guard up. So I didn't let the older people in to try and help me and they probably – Thought, oh, what a thought you were being you arrogant. Know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. What you know, what word I'm going to use, and yep. um, to go alongside, I've always been confident in my ability too. So if you put those two together, I can now look back and see why people probably thought it, thought a certain thing of me. And um, look, I'll, uh, people say they'd never change a thing and they don't regret anything. I regret a lot of things that have happened and wish things didn't happen. But ultimately, my life's turned out for the for the greater good. And 
I've had to uh, go away overseas for four years and learn to become a man and come back. Uh, I'd like to think a much better player, a much better footy player as well. Sorry, much better person and much better footy player as well. So although I would have loved to have had a straighter sort of journey and not have the ups and downs and and so on and so forth, it's um, made me a much better player and human and sort of, sort of grateful for those experiences. Well, you mentioned your dad, mate, um, Kevin, who's – well, he's a Roosters legend. I think he was halfback in the team of the century at the Roosters. Um, yeah. You didn't really have a relationship with him, though. And, and when you talk about, um, I guess, not having that care, not, well, not so much the care because you had your mum and your sisters, obviously, but um, the the influence of a male there, was was that something because your dad left um, fairly early on? What, how, how, did that, how did that shape you as a person? Yeah, um, we're still well, we're still not very close at all. Um, it's not a it's not a very, very good relationship, and it's probably partly my fault for holding resentment towards him. Um, you know, I'll speak pretty open and honestly about it, and I don't like I definitely don't like giving giving it to my dad public because it's not a public matter. But I certainly hold resentment there because um, I said this on a podcast with James Graham. Everywhere I looked from. You know, uh, when I was at the Roosters, he was on all the walls. He had a grandstand named after him, this, that. And everywhere I looked, I saw him. But in real life, he was never there. I, I just never had that. And never had that comfort of coming home and and having my dad come around and kick the footy with me at the park. It was always I'd have to drag mum down with me. And um, she's the one that sort of taught me everything and, and done the hard yards, took me to trainings and, and taught me discipline and, and hard work. And if I wanted to make it, it would be something myself. She was the one that, that taught me all I needed to know. And, um, yeah, it's unfortunate that I didn't have him in my life. I would have loved to have had a great relationship with my old man. You know, a lot of my friends growing up, their dads would, would coach us and, and take us to games and stuff. And, and that was always missing for me. But I had my stepdad there, David, who um, was massive for me. Um, he um, done a lot of things for me that, Without him, I don't think I ever would have made it to the NRL. And still to this day, um, he's the father of my two sisters. And still to this day, we're, we're as close as ever. Um, he never really tried to ever become my dad because he knew that how much that affected me not having one. He just was that stable rock in my life. And if I ever need anything still to this day, he's the one I can always go to. And he always gives me sound advice. He's honest and, and he's fair. So um, I was pretty lucky to sort of have him there and as a sounding board and and someone that would always come to the park with me and, and do things for me while my mum was working and looking after my two sisters. So um, although I didn't have my biological dad there, I had someone that done a fantastic job and someone that should be commended for taking me on because I wasn't the easiest kid to, to deal with and um, he found a way to make it work for not only myself but my family and I'll be forever grateful that I've sort of had him there from, from day dot. Well, mate, you're 27 now. You're um, a lot more mature I would imagine is it is reconciling with your dad something that even though there's still underlying resentment there is that something that you would work on and maybe instigate or try to get some sort of a reconciliation going there at some point yeah yeah it's hard um i think at some point it'd be, it'd be certainly worth the conversation yeah um, you know i see things happen and, and life be short so i mean there's only so long you can hold something against someone for, especially someone that obviously does care about you and things have happened and people make decisions to do certain things. But 
um, there's a lot of water to go under the bridge. So, so maybe one day, mate, I'll have thought about it and it's just how it looks for, for the rest of my family and things like that. I've got two older brothers as well that, um, that I'm not exactly close with that it'd be nice to sort of have a relationship with all three. So maybe one day down the track, we can all get together and sort our differences out. So, um, yeah, it's something maybe in the pipeline for later, but um, as I said, there's a bit of water going on the bridge there and uh, maybe one day we can all sort of make it work. Life's pretty short, mate. Yeah, exactly, exactly. You know, I've had things go on and I've seen things happen to other people that I care about and it makes you realise that life is short. So, mm. um, yeah, there's certainly a time and place and um, things have got to align and uh, we all live in different locations and, yeah, things have got to be said too. So, yeah, when the time comes, I'm, I'm sure it'll happen and uh, things will sort itself out. Well, mate, you left the Roosters at the end of 16 for, for Manly. Um, obviously, Daly Cherry Evans was at Manly um, and it didn't work out there. You, you signed for, for two years, but there was a – well, there was some sort of a drama with uh, – and, and I think you've come out and said that it was your fault um, with – Daly Cherry Evans at Gladstone, I think round four in, in 2018, uh, early on yeah. in the season. Um, yeah. you, you missed a curfew that you probably regret now that you should have um, adhered to and, and it blew up and, and that was basically the end of your NRL career for that period of time. Yeah, it's, um, it's a time I look back on now and just um, I'm pretty numb to it just because of what, what surrounded it. Um, look, it was a situation where it was a situation where a lot of us disobeyed an order, um, and I found myself in a situation that I wish never happened. And um, look, it'd be easy to point the finger, but I take full ownership of my own actions. So I was a grown man, and I made the decision to put myself in that situation, and ultimately I paid the paid the price and paid a pretty hefty one. Not only did I sort of lose my job in the NRL that I worked so hard to get and it's all over wanted to do. I got pretty humiliated publicly for a long period of time in the paper and things like that. Uh, got death threats off via social media, as you do. Just another day at the office. But um, it was a time in my life where I was trying to figure myself out and couldn't really fit in anywhere. And, yeah, made this stupid decision that I'll really regret and um, got put on a 24-hour flight to go overseas and, um, learned some very, very valuable life lessons and uh, what was to follow that was the best four years of my life and um, something I still look back on now and I go through my photos on my phone and my videos and my time in England was like, uh, it's hard to describe how special it was for me. It was almost like I'm not a spiritual person, but that's what it felt like. It was spiritual for me to go over there and to be embraced and loved and um, realise that I wasn't a bad person because all I'd ever been told was from 15 to 21, I think I was 22 maybe that I was just this horrible person. No one liked me, didn't fit in. Like that's all I'd hear every day, every mm. week, every month, every time I looked at my phone, um, whenever I went to catch a kickoff, like that's all I'd hear. And um, for a teenager, some you can go the other way, but I'm um, lucky I come from pretty good stocks and pretty tough people that I've grown up with, my mum included that, um, as you said at the start of this podcast, water off the duck's back, and it's always been like that. And I'm glad that I've always been that way because I've had mates that have gone the other way with with criticism and stuff like that too. So, as I said, it was a hard time in life, but um, I'd like to think I'm a pretty resilient and tough person, and, and got through it, and have come out the other side um, a lot happier and 
just a way better person and athlete and, and hopefully role model for people that find themselves in, in tough situations. Well, things happen for a reason, I always say, mate. Um, yeah. And obviously the second half of, of 2018, you, you went over to England, um, signed with Salford, <laughs> who at the time were in all sorts of trouble relegation-wise. Um, yeah. You basically... Um, well, helped them stay in the in the top top division that that season. Then stayed because I think they showed you the love basically straight away, and you recipro- yeah. you reciprocated on the field. And even even the start of two thousand and nineteen, mate, the team was still one of the favourites to be relegated at the end of the season, and it was just a dream season for you personally and for the club because you you defied all the, the critics and, and made the Super League Grand Final, got beat, but you still made the Grand Final and, and you finished with the, the Man of Steel Award, which is basically England's version of the Dally M. Um, and and I, I still get amazed at the number of people that I see on social media from that support the Salford Club who still yeah. rave about you, um, you know, four or five years after it happened. And also the fact that you went to Wigan for two years after those two, uh, that two years at, at Salford. So you went to a stronger club basically um, yeah. in England and, and still the Salford supporters think you're a dead set hero over there. So that, that was probably what you needed at the time, mate, to, to bring you out of the sort of stuff that you were in after what happened at the Roosters and Manly? Oh, it's um, – life's crazy how it works. Um, I went over there, wouldn't say broken, but mentally drained, fatigued and unsure of myself as a person. And when I got to Salford, they just put their arm around me straight away. They promised me the world and they gave me more. They gave me everything that I could have ever asked for as a, as a human being first and a footy player second. Um, and all I ever wanted to do was give back to them and, and the community and they just reciprocated it. And I can't really put into words the, the bond that I have with everyone that's aligned with that club. It's pretty special. And um, to go from being a person that didn't have many people that liked him or cared about him to have lifelong friends of all ages from 18 to, to 60 to 70 to people that sat in the grandstand is um, – yeah, it pulls on my heartstrings a little bit and I'm so in, in debt to that club and I'd, I'd do anything for anyone that was involved in my time within that club. Um, for the remainder of my life, I feel like they saved my life and, and certainly saved my career at, at, at that deep. So, yeah, I went over in 2018 and, <coughs> sorry, mate, they were facing a relegation battle and, um, yeah, a lot of people want to give me the credit for it, but... I brought my little mate, Joey Lussick, over with me and um, he played a pretty integral role in that 2018 season to, to keep us afloat. And then in 2019, we were living together um, at the back end of 2018 and we just said to each other, we need to stay, we need to stay. They, they helped us and um, we wrote a few things down that we wanted to achieve and, and one was getting to a grand final. And I remember like a lot of the boys in the room at the time just sort of looked at me and not laughed, but they went like, you got to be realistic, mate. And I said, well... If you don't believe, boys, under the door, he's on the arse on the way out. And um, from that moment on, it just, you know, we started like a house on fire, won our first two. And then we went on a bit of a downward spiral. We lost, I think, maybe four or five in a row. And uh, everyone was like, oh, you know, it was a fluke the last, whatever, how many games we played at the back of 18. And then it was a fluke what happened at the start of the year. And then uh, we didn't have a crisis meeting, but we just had a meeting, a bit of an honesty session. And, we ended up breaking every record in the club. I think it was most wins in a row, 
most away wins, um, most points scored, highest finish, uh, most people, most number of people in the dream team, which is like team of the year. Um, two people made the Great Britain squad, myself and a, a guy called Josh Jones. Um, first ever, ten, uh, first ever cyber team to make a grand final, um, and then first ever Man of Steel, which was me. So cemented in the legacy of not only Sulphur but Super League forever. So for me, that's, yeah, it's pretty touching and um, I'm held in such high regard in that country and, um, you know, that's, yeah, it's a beautiful thing to know that I went from who I was and what people thought of me in Australia to go over and just be so loved by people from a small small city town. Um, yeah, it's incredible. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, don't, I, I get lost for words when I talk about it, Baz. I really do. It um, makes me so humble and so proud that I have had an effect on a community like that. Like, not many people get to experience that in life and not many people get to experience that in Australia because sport in England is so cultural, cultured and territorial. It is a different feel. And, um, yeah, I get goosebumps talking about it, mate. I'm, did, yeah, I'm kind of lost for words. Did... Um... Did you change or did they change you? That's a really good question. Or a bit well, of both? Mate, that's, no, that's a really good question. Um, I think they changed me. I think they changed me. I, I think my mentality and my will to win and my FU attitude towards everyone else that's not associated with our club or cares about our club, that being fan base, members, you know, teammates, anyone outside of, of that, that attitude, I think I brought to them and the will to win and the we can win no matter what and it doesn't matter if you've got the, the flashy facilities or the best players. It's all about what's inside you. I think I brought that, but they certainly changed me as a human and uh, they told me they told me you didn't always have to act tough or walk around your chest out. Just put, you can let your guard down and I'll be, forever, I'll be forever grateful that they did that because I was going on a path that not many people want to go down and um, yeah they brought me right out of that so was it tough to leave i mean wigan obviously yeah. ca- came came at you and they the they were the glamour club or still are one of the glamour clubs over there um they came at you pretty hard i would imagine would have been hard to leave the place after what that that season well when i sat in the coach's office and ceo's office and told him i was leaving i just i started crying mid mid uh, mid chat i couldn't get it out i couldn't actually get the words out i'm, I'm leaving and going to wigan and it had nothing to do with big and I'm so pumped that a club like that wanted to sign me and the rich history and the players I was going to play alongside and um, the chance I had to certainly go to another grand final and, and, and win it in a challenge cup and things like that. And that was that was so appealing and, and that's that's the reason I obviously went. But to leave to leave was hard because I felt like I'd build something at the club. But I'd started to build a legacy and something that I'll leave behind forever and I, I, I still have done that but I would have been able to build on it, but I'm also glad I made the decision to go because um, I got to play with some of the best players to ever play the game over there. I got to play for a club that's so rich in history and had two really successful years and fell short by um, the skin of my teeth in a grand final that will go down as one of the greatest of all time. So um, it didn't end up being such a bad decision. It was really good for me. And it was a completely different culture. You're expected to win there. Yep. And you're under pressure every week to win there. And, and I love that feeling of going out there, expecting to win and, and playing with great athletes and great players. And um, got to play alongside Tommy Lillewatt for two years, which certainly helped my game as a halfback. He taught me a hell of a lot about temperament and playing at the line and square and on what to look for. And 
had Adrian Lamb as a coach, former player, so he helped me out a hell of a lot and had some pretty handy outside backs and forwards to run off as well. So really enjoyed my two years there. Um, 2020 grand final. I don't know if you've seen the footage of the last sort of two seconds after the siren, how we got beat, but yes. it was one of the greatest that we lost. And, you know, we won a minor premiership for the first time in, I think it was 10 to 12 years, something along those lines, which was pretty, it's a long time for a club like Wigan that have, have dominated for such a long time. So, again, to be part of the history of such a fantastic club is great and just gut-wrenching that I fell short twice in two years, but you can't always have a fairy tale as well. So, uh, it is what it is. You obviously wanted to come back, always wanted to come back and 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 have another crack at the NRL and you got your opportunity the, the following year um, or last year with um, the West Tigers. Yep. Was that always always in the back of your mind that I'm going back at some point? Uh, no, no. I, um, I actually was set on setting my life up in England and staying there. Yeah. Um, I didn't think that I would ever get the chance to come back. I, I thought that I'd done so much damage to my reputation and my name that no one would ever touch me. And look, it was it was pretty hard to convince people to even get on the phone and talk to me. And um, there was a couple of times I could have come back and it just didn't feel right. And then um, jumped on the phone to Madge and just an absolute champion and someone that I consider a real close friend, almost a brother, but like um, became like a father figure for me at the club and took me under his wing and just helped me through the tough times that was coming back to the NRL and um, obviously my time at the Tigers ended in a, in another sort of dramatic way in terms of what the media built it up to be, but um, really enjoyed my time there. Obviously never thought that I was going to leave. Um, certainly wanted to do my two years and um, help the club get out of the cellar, so to speak, and <clears throat> help them climb up the ladder, but um, ultimately it wasn't to be and, yeah, ended up at Newcastle at a club that I'll love so much like from the moment i walk through the doors here it's it's been so good mate it feels like i've been here forever and um i'm <laughs> hopefully never have to leave and can build something here and hopefully um in the not too distant future bring a premiership back here and cement our names as a, as a playing group in in the history of the four walls at the club here well you weren't the first choice for the knights mate obviously you read all the the stuff in and around that but and and to be fair i think it might have taken um, Coach Adam O'Brien, a little bit of time to um, work out that you you should be up here because um, I think there were some early negotiations with your manager that um, were sort of knocked on the head, probably because of your reputation, mate, more than, more so than anything else. But yeah, we do, we joke about it now. Actually, <laughs> always give it always give it to him. Always say I'm not that bad, am I? And he, um, me and Adzi have a good relationship. <clears throat> Sorry, a really good relationship. Um, I care about him a lot as a person. Um, really proud of how he's handled himself through this last sort of month, what he's had to deal with, not only externally, but obviously with his family. And, um, you know, he, the way he's handled himself is like, unbelievable. Like, I haven't seen anyone go through a time like that and just still turn up to work, work every day and not show an ounce of weakness, just so tough. And um, it rubs off on you as a player to see that your leader, your coach is able to walk through the fire and go through what he did personally, um, something traumatic like that, to still coach at his best. Um, and that's what makes the Parramatta loss hurt even more because we let him down as a playing group. You know, he turned up after such a horrific time in his life and 
we let him down more than anyone. So fantastic human leader and um, someone I really care about. And yeah, I get into him all the time about it. it took him too long to sign me, but um, he actually went out of his way not long ago to say he's glad that it all worked out and he's glad that he met me. And I said, I'm glad that I fell on my feet here and I'm glad that he took the chance as well. So um, yeah, get along with him like house on fire and someone I really love playing for. And uh, he's helped me out a hell of a lot since I've been here for sure. Well, it was a, I think over over a coffee. What was it in November? That did he um, tell you that I did he tell you that I actually bought him a coffee? <laughs> that doesn't surprise me. Yeah, he said he forgot his wallet. And I said, oh, here we go. But uh, yeah, so he's so, the richest man in Newcastle, and I ended up buying him a coffee. So it got me, it got me a contract though. So I'll do it again tomorrow. <laughs> so did you have to do much convincing, or did did you feel like he was on board from the moment you sort of sat down together? No, I, I was just honest. Um, he asked me about my childhood. He asked me a lot of questions that um, I was happy to answer honestly. And yeah. um, I remember when I was driving home after that meeting, he sent me a message and he just told me that like, he's obviously glad he met me and he thanked me for my pure honesty and um, didn't sort of took me on, he probably took me on what the media said as opposed to actually getting to know me. And um, he said it was a lesson learned for him and, um, yeah, I was just brutally honest about things that happened in my life and took ownership and accountability and, and um, yeah, he reciprocated that and um, literally from the time I met him and, and, and Pari, um, it took about a day and the ball really got rolling and oh, I think it was like two, three days later the, the deal was done. So, I mean, honesty is the best policy. That's what mum told me as a kid and um, it worked out well in this instance, but I'm just glad that he was able to, to you know, um, sit down and listen to me and understand uh, my upbringing and maybe why I was the way I was in certain aspects of life and how far I've come and what I've had to go through and you know it wasn't an overnight fix for me and, and look I'm still not not perfect I have so many flaws it's unbelievable mate but I recognise them and, and and continually work on them and have open dialogue with certain people I need to about them and um, the club's been great in facilitating that as well. What about leaving the Tigers? I guess um, the fact that Madge was was gone that made it probably easier for you to to leave. But um, you know, you've got some would have had some mates down there, I, I presume, and it would have been tough yeah. to leave after just one year. Yeah, it was hard, mate. I, I formed a really good relationship with a lot of the boys at the club, the staff, and and obviously the fans too. They took a great liking to me, and um, I put a lot of time and effort into sort of bonding with them. So. You know, when it, when it sort of hit me that the club itself didn't want me, um, it didn't make it easier. It made it harder to leave because I still wanted – I'm a stubborn prick and I wanted to be there and be like, no, no, I'm, I want to be part of helping these boys out. But um, I got to a point where it was just like, you know, I felt like they just didn't want me. And, um, yeah, as I said, it, it didn't make it easier, but it sort of just made me understand that my time at the club was up and, you know, really grateful to be able to be able forever and, met some fantastic people and so um, thankful the club gave me a chance to come home from England and resurrect my NRL career and um, I hold no real feelings towards anyone. They made the decision and um, I've been in this situation too many times, the old grudges and uh, we all moved on and it's moved. It's it's worked out well for me so far and hopefully it can continue to get better. Well, mate, the, the Knights underachieved massively last year, um, even allowing for you know, the injuries that they had and the fact that the spine was, you know, affected uh, big time by that last year. They still they still underperformed. What was your impression of the place when you arrived at, 
at pre-season training. And be honest, I mean, uh, did you did you think that um, you were going to be able to help change things quickly? What what was your impressions and uh, of pre-season and and how'd you feel coming into the start of the season? Well, they didn't underperform when they played us last year. They beat us by forty, and then they beat us at Campbelltown too. So. Well, you blokes, sort of turned up with, you, blokes hey? were, you blokes were pretty hopeless too, though. That's the problem. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Come on, come on. <laughs> That's all. Um, when I first walked through the doors, I was really open-minded. Um, when I when I met Pari and Anzi, I looked at this the squad and I thought, geez, that's a good squad. Like, you look at the outside backs, I looked at Bradman. I obviously looked at Kalen, Gags, Dom. Like, that's arguably... They're arguably some of the best players in the world, mate. And then you look at the pack, you got both the Saths. I knew they brought Jack Everington, Adam Elliott, Brails, like um, I knew Fitzy ran a great line, Tyson Rizal, like I mean, there's so much talent here, it's unbelievable. Like it's it's crazy to think that the club hasn't gone better, obviously. And um, when I walked through the four four doors, sorry, and um, I sat down with Greeny on how he wanted me to play and Rush, how he wanted me to defend and um, Brian McDermott come in, who I didn't meet in England, but had been playing against his teams. I knew what he was going to bring. Yeah, there was a real good feeling. Uh, we addressed last year really early on as a group, and um, we just said we're not talking about last year anymore. We're talking about this year, and um, that was really refreshing for me because obviously I could have no impact on what happened before I got here. So it was all just focused on this year, and um, it wasn't about sort of having an impact. It was just more about trying to help people. Be comfortable in their roles. Like I felt, feel like I, I felt like sorry I could help get Gags and Bradman the ball a bit more often than what they were getting at. Um, I felt like I could help Dane and Frizz out defensively. Um, I feel like I've done that most part of this year so far anyway, and I felt like I could get Kaylin involved in the game in a way that he wasn't getting involved in before. I wanted to be a figure in the team where. If it didn't go to Kalen, we could still score. Or if Kalen wasn't playing, we could still win. Or if we were both on the field, we were both threats. And I feel like we're building that throughout the preseason. And then he got a calf injury, which sidelined him for nine weeks. And then, obviously, unfortunately, what happened in round two. So yep. uh, we're only slowly just starting to get that combination back on track. And uh, we took a big leap forward on the weekend. But, um, you know, I think if you ask Kalen, I've been his biggest supporter too. I, I, I've been through a lot of hard times and criticism. And, and he sort of rides that hard because of who he is in the game and what he's achieved and, and, and obviously his earnings, which isn't none of my business, but I'm always there to put my arm around him and uh, we always have uh, little funny interactions after games, whether it's good or bad. I'll always text him and tell him I love him and, and want to help him. So um, I feel like my role within the team is pretty easy, to be honest, and obviously sort of nail that every week and hopefully bring out the best in others by competing hard and, and defending well and the attack will come off the end of that. Well, there's a great photo of you with your arm around Kalen, I think you're back to the camera um, yeah. after the Parramatta game. And, and uh, mate, I'm, I'm not on I'm on Twitter, but I'm not on Instagram. And I know you're fairly heavily into into most things on social media. But I know yeah. you've I know I've been told you've been posting a bit on, about Kalen. You obviously know how tough, and people just don't understand um, how tough a time he's been going through. Not not simply because of the the head knocks, but also from the you know the the form against para and and and, yeah. and for him to as i said earlier in the program for him to come out and play like he did at the weekend in the second half that's it, that's that's the champion qualities of of a guy to be able to do that and and you've obviously seen it close up firsthand yeah yeah he just he cares about the place man he's like captain 
Um, he wants to be a leader and he is a leader and he wants to, to to master that and he wants to lead us going forward and he wants to win the premiership here. I remember when I first signed, he he told me that. He, he told me he wants to win the comp and um, I said to him, I looked him in the eyes and said, well, let's get to work and let's try and do it. And, um, you know, he obviously copped the head knocking round two and um, he's dealt with a few other things and then come back and didn't play his best game and, and none of us did. Like, yeah, his tackles got highlighted because... He's an absolute superstar of our game and, and he wore a lot of flack and um, it is what it is. All of us on the field had to be accountable, one to 17, myself included. And then um, that photo is after they scored their last runaway try and he was laying there on the ground. And I remember um, sort of everyone was in their own world at that point. You know, it, was, it gets to a point where you, you want the ground to swallow you up and he was laying there and I just thought like, this is my mate, right? This is a guy that I told I'd I'd have his back no matter what. So I made sure I ran over there, picked him up off the ground, and put my arm around him, and just told him I love him, and that it's all right. Like it, it's not all right that we lost like that, but the sun's going to come up the next morning, and we're going to be able to go to training, and we're going to be able to fix it. And if we work hard enough, we'll come out the other side. And we took a step forward on the weekend, but we've got to keep improving. And the one thing about me, mate, is I've always been like this. Um, if you show love to me and and you show that you care about me and support me i'm I'm fiercely loyal like i'll do anything for you um you know people have seen the other side of me where i've been a bit of a a dick so to speak but uh, one of my great traits is if you're loyal to me i'm fiercely loyal to you and defend you no matter what and um caitlin's one of them guys and you know i've stuck up for bradman the last couple of days or these people that have gone out of their way to make me feel comfortable and help me and care about me um yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll back my boys to the hill. So, um, yeah, I'm just, just trying to be a good friend and, and, and a really good teammate. Do you ever let him get a word in, given that he's the captain now? And, and <laughs> <laughs> because because uh, I've, I've noticed quite a bit that um, if you if you guys are in a huddle, you're the one who's um, doing, the, doing the talking, mate. That just comes naturally, obviously. Yeah, it's, that's probably a part of his development that he's – currently working on. Yeah. Um, Caitlin's everyone's best mate, as you know, and such a bubbly, bubbly current character, whereas um, as soon as it turns into footy, I turn into a different person. I don't even know myself sometimes. I just go on these tangents and start talking absolute garbage half the time, I think, but just trying to fire the boys up. And obviously, I play halfback, so my voice on the field is important. Um, but yeah, I, I don't mind giving the boys a bit of a rev up and I love seeing the Sass get that look in their eyes and Adam Elliott get the crazy eyes going, so I'll get enjoyment out of that. But um, just ask anyone around the place. No one gets a word in when I'm around. I've always got to have a, I've always got to have a conversation and, and I love I love to joke and things like that. So probably take it too far sometimes. And <laughs> that's all right, as long as, um, as long as I don't piss them off too much. And we, we, you talk about Carlin, but also <clears throat> the form of um, Tyson Gamble, mate. Um, Filling in for for Kalen, obviously, and but then also you know coming on in the second half and and helping change the momentum of the game as well. The, the, you know, I believe that somehow Ads has got to get you you three on the field as much as possible. I'm not sure how he does it, but um, how do you feel about that? Obviously, Tyson's sort of a similar style of game to you. Yeah, he's a, he's a bit uglier than me, Tyson, but um, we're, we're similar. We're similar in personalities, that's for sure. But, no, nah, I love playing with him. Um, become pretty close with Tyson. We, um, we're the same human. <laughs> we've both got a bit of ADHD and, uh, yeah, both just a bit mad. So, 
cut from the same cloth for sure. But the way he's filled in and just been selfless to to make way for Kalen and then come on and do a job at 13, 9, 6, wherever he's needed to fill in, he's been, he's been more than immense. He's been unbelievable. The town loves him. He's one of the players that uh, just fits Newcastle. And, um, yeah, as you said, he come on and when he's come on the last couple of weeks, even against Parra, when we started moving the ball around, we looked really good with him at 13 because he's obviously like an extra half. And um, I just say to him, I'm glad you have to do it, not me, because that was me last year. So, um, yeah, he's been really good. But um, we just sort of still keep keep working on our combinations. And obviously Phoenix is, is doing a fantastic job at nine. He played really well on the weekend. He's played well for us most of the year, to be honest. And um, we just got to keep working hard together. We've got a spine group chat and... We talk a lot of footy in there, so it's, it's great to see everyone heavily invested. And that's probably <laughs> mine and Greeny's fault because all we do is talk football. Yeah. Uh, me and Greeny just talk the years off each other and sort of dragged all the other boys in it with us. And they've all bought in and um, it's certainly helped us. Um, training's gone up a level and, and people's IQ for the game has certainly gone up a level too. So it's been enjoyable to be a part of, but um, Tyson's been fantastic and um, I love playing alongside him. Jacko, you talk about loyalty and, and how if you receive it, you, you give it back in, in spades. And and probably the best example of that is is the fans, mate. Um, yeah. Your interaction with the fans, the, the Knights fans think you're wonderful because um, all they crave is is a little bit of attention from, from you guys. Um, and you... You're quite happy. You're you're fairly active on social media. You're quite active, uh, quite happy to to give that attention back, and and they've fallen in love with you probably just as much as what the Salford fans f- fell in love with you. Um, mm. So from that point of view, it must be a good feeling um, that you're up here and and getting that love. Yeah, mate, it's um it's awesome. From the moment I got here, people wanted me here, um, which is which is a, which is the main thing and. I wanted to reciprocate that. I wanted to buy into what it meant to be a Newcastle Knight. And part of that's been, you know, bringing our fans back and giving them a product they're proud of. And um, look, I'm not going to score you 10 tries a game. I haven't scored in about five years. But what I will give you is effort, um, will to win, never give up, and just do my absolute best every time I run out on the field. And then win, lose, or draw, take photos, sign autographs. Because I know when I was a kid, I'd been brushed a few times, as I sort of spoke about earlier on. I'd wait there after games and some of my favourite players would just walk past me and I always said to my mum, if I was ever one of them, I'd never do that. And don't get me wrong, I'm, I obviously miss some people, not by not by choice. Sometimes you have to go in the sheds or yep. party comes out and grabs you and I don't mean to miss anyone, but I'd try and go out of my way to, to wave, smile, interact, take a photo, sign an autograph whenever I can and and then ultimately to repay them, go out on the footy field and put my body on the line and do everything I can to get a result. And that's not always going to be the case, but what the Newcastle fans do love is they love seeing effort. And um, I know no matter what the result or how I play, I give that and uh, people appreciate that. So um, I love them as much as they love me and hopefully it can be for a long period of time. And um, yeah, I love living here. It's a great community and, and the people here are lovely too. So um, it goes both ways, as you said, and, um, yeah, it's been great so far. And you're not too far away from your mum, mate, too. That's important. Yeah, it's extremely important. Um, I care about my mum a lot. We've been through a hell of a lot together, um, just me and her, through the early stages of my life. And uh, obviously met my partner now who uh, takes a lot of the load. Uh, I've been with Amelia for five years. So um, she's seen a lot of the highs. Um, saw a bit of the lows last year um, when I broke my leg and, 
went through all that, but um, Amelia's been awesome for me. But um, I've got two great women in my life now that, you know, help me navigate through the difficult parts and obviously help me celebrate through the great parts. But, yeah, it's good to be close to my mum and my sisters. Um, missed a lot of being growing up, being in England. So it's great to have my family sort of all together united and um, got a great little support network there. It's not big, but it's big enough to make me happy and um, they all do a great job in supporting my my career and whatever I want to do outside of footy as well. What about your your leg, mate? Obviously, the, the big injury last year um, still affecting you a little bit. Are you how are you handling that? Yeah, it's just one of them that's unfortunate. Um, I remember when everyone thought I was faking because I walked <laughs> I walked off and um, I was well, jumping every, around. Every, everyone thought you were faking too because you reckon you were going to make the the World Cup. Yeah, well, I tried my best and I didn't realise that. <laughs> I couldn't even walk properly after three months of the learn play a game of footy. And yeah. um, that's just the type of person I am. I'm a bit of an idiot, mate, as you know. So I uh, thought, thought I was bulletproof and 10 feet tall and obviously I uh, got knocked down a few pegs, literally. Um, didn't realise how big the break was in my legs first and foremost. And then um, then to rupture every ligament um, in, in the mid part of the ankle and then to do some nerve damage in the back of my, back of my foot too. So I've uh, done a fair job on it. Uh, was a pretty lengthy rehab. Still haven't got all the strength in the world where I need it, but enough to get through and just managing that. And, um, that's obviously a big part of the goal kicking. Probably, you're probably going to ask about that, but I can't. I can't get through the workload that it needs to be uh, an elite NRL goal kicker. And it'd be selfish for me to walk out there and try and be the hero on a Friday, Saturday, or Sunday when I haven't put the effort into it during the week just because of managing the load on my feet. So. Yeah. Yeah, it is what it is. I'll, I'll get back to goal kicking in due time, but just doing all the right things to, to get my body right, not only my leg, but the rest of my body. And um, yeah, you play through some pain sometimes. That's what the NRL is all about. And there's people that have gone through a lot worse than me. So just grateful it hasn't stopped me playing and um, just something I've got to deal with. And uh, as they say, mate, it is what it is. You just get on with it and, and do the best you can with what you got. It certainly hasn't helped my speed, though. Jesus. No, I've noticed that. <laughs> uh, it's good oh, enough, mate. As long as you, as long as you stay as fast between the ears, mate. That's the main thing for you nah, guys. Hey, that's what I, that's what I tell Lachlan Fitzgibbon all the time. He, him <laughs> out of everyone, him out of everyone tries to have a go at me for my speed. I said, please, you need some WD forty on the kneecaps before you run it there, son. Don't come to me about speed. Uh, um, it's good banter. It's good banter. They all come at me for my speed, so that's all right. What about what can we expect from from you guys? Obviously, um, we're we're all hoping that the Eels game was an aberration. Um, yeah, yeah. We've got we've got five pretty tough games in a row coming up. Uh, obviously, Origin we might lose a few to Origin as well. So it's a pretty important period. And and the fact that everyone's the comp's so tight and and yeah. mo- most clubs are beating each other. There's there's a real opportunity if you string a couple of wins together that um, you put yourself right back up in the, you know, even the top four mix. So, yeah, that's that's obviously, I guess it's the old cliche, week by week, and and um, looking for consistency more than anything else. Yeah, exactly. Like I said this before, we ran out um, in the huddle. Let's let's chase a result, not a. Uh, sorry, let's chase a performance, not the result. And people might go, well, you obviously want to win, yeah, but that comes off the back of a performance. You don't just get the result. You can't just go out there and say, we're going to get the result. You have to go out there and do the step-by-step process, as boring as that may sound, to grind a team down to hopefully get the win. And then I think 
what we've done really well is the games we've won, there's been that 25-minute period where we're really up the ante. Um, I watched the game back, and Greg Alexander actually said that the game looks like it's sped up for the Knights mm. uh, in the second half, like our line speed led by Phoenix and Lachlan Fitzgibbon and, and Daniel Saifidi. The boys went after their pack. They've got a fantastic pack, and um, the outside backs were great with the football in hand. So we're repaying each other, and we practice what we we practice what we preach at training. You know, we spoke, we talked it up all week saying we're going to go after them about the ball and this and that. And to actually do it was, was great. So, I mean, we just need to keep working hard and we need to keep turning up with the right attitude. Are we going to win every game? No, and I think everyone knows that. But should we be in every single game and give ourselves a chance? Absolutely. And we need to turn up with the right defensive mindset. We need to start the games better. We didn't start anywhere near good enough again on the weekend. But in the same breath, we're able to defend our line and show some resolve too. So we can put all that together and we can perform at our best. We believe our best can beat anyone on, on our day. So um, what I will say is we're working hard to minimise the paro game to make sure that doesn't happen again and give ourselves a chance to not only be in every game, win every game. So that's the ideal situation moving forward. But um, it starts in the theatre, watching our game on the weekend. We've got to watch that in about an hour and dissect what we weren't happy with. Uh, there's a couple of tries that were pretty soft, so we'll definitely go through that. And uh, we left a few out there too, which is which is also pleasing. Sometimes it's good to w- look at that and realise that you left two or three out there because it means you're not far away from a complete performance. So being hard on ourselves, being hard on ourselves, being accountable, and putting that in the play on the training field, and then then on the weekends. Good on you, Jacko. I think uh, I speak on behalf of every Knights fan. It's great to have you at the club, and. Um, Great to see you um, taking control and, and playing so well. And, and maybe if you can just increase your speed a little bit at the back end of the season, <laughs> who knows what uh, what might happen. Nah, it's great to have you here, mate, and I really appreciate your honesty and, and uh, having a chat, and, and uh, we'll catch up soon. Nah, good on you, Baz. Really appreciate it, mate. Um, thanks for taking the time out, and um, I'm sure I'll speak to you um, during the year, even though you introduce yourself to me once a week. Uh, that's all right. I'll forgive you for that. I know who you are now, so it's all good. <laughs> good on you, mate. Talk to you soon. All right, mate. Talk to you. See, See you. Bye. 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 Jackson Hastings, he's a bit of a character. And look, he's he's caught plenty. And and back in the day, maybe he deserved some of it. He even admits he probably deserved some of it. But, but uh, he's had a pretty tough upbringing, I would have thought. And... Um, He's um, come out the other side and right at this moment, as I said before, right at this moment, I think he's, you know, one of, if not the most influential player that the Knights have got this season if if they're to uh, do something with their season. And um, he's got a great attitude. I don't think he'll leave anything out, out there, that's for sure. And um, loves the place, which is good, and um, loves the fans, and the fans love him back. So fantastic chat. Okay, look, we've probably run over time, but I've got some – with a mailbag questions, mate. So we might um, we might get stuck into those very quickly. From Steve, hey Baz, any hooker update, or you think they'll persist with Phoenix after the Titans' performance? Regards, Steve. Steve, I haven't got an update on the hooking spot. Obviously, the Knights have still got one uh, roster position to fill before June 30, so maybe they're still looking for a hooker. But I think the the um, urgency around that. <clears throat> may 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 have gone a little bit given the fact that Phoenix is going going pretty well, but um, they still need a bit of backup there. So maybe we still might see a, some sort of a hook, hooking 
um, signing the, before June 30, but who that will be or if if it will be an actual hooker, um, I don't know, mate. We'll have to wait and see. Hey, Baz, who fills spot 30 from – this is from Tom Benke. I don't know, Tom, um, whether, whether there's an outside – player brought in again or whether they fill from within I'm not sure but uh, they've got a little bit of time yet uh, another month and a half before they've got to fill that so we'll wait and see. Red and Blue Blood. Hey Baz, 13,000 at the game against the Titans was a bit low. Do you think it had anything to do with Mother's Day? Yeah look I think it had a lot to do with Mother's Day. I think history up here shows that when we play on a on a Sunday that's Mother's Day, uh, the crowd's always affected. Maybe the Titans probably didn't bring too many uh, fans either. And look, um, Knights were coming off that big loss to Paris, so there might have been a, a few people that uh, didn't turn up because of that. I don't know, but I think Mother's Day was the, the most influential reason. I, I would have thought maybe 15. I was thinking maybe 15,000 would have been a good crowd. So a little bit under what it should have been. But uh, given the win, I'm sure when they come back next to, for the next game that uh, there'll be a big crowd there. Uh, Richard Turner, hey Baz, would you persist with Miller as goal kicker? How many points do we beat the Sharkies by this weekend? Um, <laughs> Richard, we well, one point will do. Um as far as the Sharks go, that'll do me anyway, one point. As far as uh, Mitch, uh, Miller goes, Lockie Miller, look, uh, a couple of weeks ago I would have thought, look, we've got to do something different from the goal king perspective. But we've just heard from uh, Jacko Hastings to say that he's not in a situation leg-wise, injury-wise, where he sort of wants to put the work in during the week to, to kick goals. So, and I thought Lockie Miller... Um, Showed some great signs at the weekend that um, with a bit more confidence, um, he could be the long-term goal kicker in the side, provided he obviously stays in the side. But, uh, yeah, the, some of the conversions at the back end, I think he only missed a couple. Uh, I know Beric Barnes, the, the kicking coach, was back in town for the first time in a while last week, so that might have um, helped the situation. So you just want to see some improvement um, each week. And a, and a little bit more consistency because um, there's no risk in the world. The Knights lost a couple of games earlier in the season um, because we didn't have an 80% goal kicker. If we had an 80% goal kicker, they'd have a few more wins. Um, Michael Skeen, with the team travelling to Perth later in the year, can you see the team doing a fan engagement day for all the members and supporters over here? Michael, I'm not sure... What they'll have planned, you'd have to talk to the Knights about that, mate. I, I'm not sure what they'll have planned. I know when they go to to um, to Queensland to Brisbane, um, and they always do sort of a, some sort of a fan thing after a game up there. So um, if there's if there's a lot of Knights supporters in Perth, and I presume there probably is, then uh, I'm sure they would look look at maybe doing the same sort of thing. Hopefully, but you need to contact the club for that, mate. Um, Adam Chris, uh, hi Barry. What's your thoughts on Phoenix Crossland and moulding him into a hooker on a full-time basis? Is the contract he signed last year for 12 months or is it a two-year contract? It's a two-year deal, Adam. So he's here next year, irrespective of what happens. Um, he's here next year. Look, I think um, his future is at hooker, simple as that. I mean, he can fill in in the halves. He's been a halves half all his career or all his junior career I know that but 
I just think he's um he's doing a, a great job filling in as hooker. Um defensively he throws himself at everything. He's he's full on. He still can improve his delivery, I guess, from dummy half passing game, but uh, and and also, you know, making the making the right moves as far as what side to go and all that sort of stuff, but that comes with experience. So he's certainly worth um persevering with and as I said to people after the game on the weekend, I thought that was his best game in Knights Colours on the weekend against the Titans. He was outstanding. Uh, Nathan. Hey, Baz. I've seen uh, we have signed the big guy, Dane. Have you seen him play? Do you rate him? Uh, yeah, big Dane. Um, I'm not sure how to pronounce his last name, actually. Akafalu. Akafalu, maybe. Um, someone will correct me on that but um yeah Dane Flew Arca Flew had his first game in reserve grade for the Knights on the weekend and scored the f- opening two tries against the Dragons so two tries on debut he's a big unit um the only thing I would say is he's played a hundred uh, New South Wales Cup games and he's yet to play in the NRL but who knows he could be a late developer hope, hopefully he is he got an opportunity anyway because uh He's here for the rest of the season at least, so uh, we'll, get, we'll get more of an opportunity to see him play uh, down the track. Uh, Matt Eatall, uh, with it being such a critical position, the club's lack of depth is astounding. I'm to- I think he's talking about hooker here. How have we not recruited for this? I'm saying that in saying that, Crossland may have really found his role. Well, Matt, I guess the fact that Chris Randall wanted to go to the Titans for an opportunity and it was late late in the preseason it didn't give the knights a lot of time to uh to um you know find somebody else to be honest so that's probably why they've been caught a little bit short um and it's not easy getting good hookers out of other clubs simple as that so at the moment phoenix is um doing a good job obviously kurt Mann's injured can play there as well so they're just gonna have to make do with what they've got at the moment Okay, the axe. The form of the team in 2023 is making me reach for the travel calm. <laughs> Do you think the team will find consistency soon or continue to take us fans on a roller coaster? Well, to be fair, the axe, the only poor, really poor performance they've put in this year was against Parramatta. The rest of the time they've been, you know, fairly competitive. And as I said before, probably should have won a couple more games. So I don't know that. Um, consistency has been a, a major drama like I said the Parramatta game was hopefully an aberration wait till we see how they go against the Sharks in Coffs Harbour on the weekend and then we'll um, maybe conform a little bit more of an opinion about their lack of consistency if they play poorly but I just think at the moment that that Parramatta game was basically the only game they haven't really been in so I think the, probably the criticism there is a little bit unfair uh, Matt and Kidder Clark hey Baz Dolphins go to Darwin to do charity work and are fettered as saints. Braddy does the same and is crucified. Is there a reason that some of your Sydney-based colleagues flatly refuse to give the Knights a fair go? Um, yeah, look, Matt and kiddo, I, I totally agree with you. Um, the the, the pile-on from the media, and started by Phil Gould, mind you. Um, he was the one that kicked it off. Um, the pile-on from the media of, of the criticism of the players getting some time off, given they had, I think, 16 days off from the bye, was just over the top, massively over the top. And not only that, it 
it wasn't based on fact um, because most of the media decided that half the team was in, for, uh, was in Bali when it was only Bradman Best. And as we now know, Bradman was over there not only to get a tattoo, but he was over there to help a family build a house that he's got close to over there. So, yeah, look, there's, there's some egg on the face of some people, I guess, in the media, but, you know, it's a typical situation where a new day and you forget about what you wrote the day before and that's what happens. Uh, I don't know that... Um, I don't know that Gus has said anything else since he came out and, and uh, criticised the club, but, um, yeah, uh, it certainly didn't affect Bradman's performance at the weekend. He had one of his best games, scored a couple of tries. So I know where you're coming from, Matt, and I, I agree with you, put it that way. Uh, John O'Maloney, are we likely to see any of our current first-grade side leaving the club before their contract expires, as per reports from Sydney? Yeah, look... And there'll be a few other questions here. I think um, I think a few others have asked, maybe asked the same sort of question. Ian Thomas was says, surely we aren't looking at getting rid of Daniel Safidi and Bradman Best. Surely that's been made up. Isn't Daniel signed up until 2026 or something? Yeah, Daniel Safidi is on a contract until the end of oh, 2026. So he's here for a little bit longer yet. Uh, look... Where there's smoke, there's fire, I guess, is how I'd answer that. Um, Danny Widler reported in the media on the weekend that um, that those two players, Safidi and Best, I'm not sure whether you call it being shopped around, but some questions are being asked in and around them and, and maybe the Knights being prepared to let them go. I think it's all to do with how much money they're on, um, whether there's salary cap issues uh, in and around that. But uh, I certainly find it hard to believe that the club would be even considering letting those two players go. But uh, we'll wait and see whether anything comes of it, I guess. Uh, I know some other clubs have made some inquiries simply based on uh, what's come out. So we'll wait and see. Matt Blake, hey Baz, what what did you make of Elliot's return? Um, yeah, look, I thought he played played really well. I haven't seen his stats. I don't know exactly how many minutes he plays, but I, th- I reckon he he, he uh, puts a bit of starch, particularly in defence. Um, and he's only going to get better. He hasn't played hardly at all and had, hasn't trained hardly at all in the preseason. So he's a big plus for us, uh, Adam Elliott, on, uh, at, the ba- at the back end of the season when he'll sort of just be fresh and running into form. He's going to be a massive plus for the team. So... And uh, I thought the weekend was a good start for him. Uh, Charlie Drummond, g'day Baz, great to have you back. I thought Kalen looked better in defence, but I also think they didn't run much traffic at him. Better teams may test him. What do you, what did you think of his defence? Well, on pure stats, I think he made eight tackles and might have missed six, but a missed tackle sometimes can be a little bit deceiving. Um, you know, he's not he didn't miss the one-on-one tackles badly that he missed against Parramatta. Um, and look, he's—I wouldn't say he's a great defender still, but um, he did enough, and the, the players around him did enough to uh, support him as well. And that's—that's that's really important that the players around him and the and the the middles, the middle of the park needs to be moving up and and fanning across defensively, so that uh, everyone gets a bit of support in defence. And that didn't happen against Para. And he was exposed because of it. But uh, they fixed it up a bit at the weekend and hopefully they can uh, be better with that. And look, Carlin will improve. I don't doubt that 
he'll he'll get the more he plays the more confidence he'll get uh as far as that goes and he'll improve um defensively for sure uh kip thompson what time frame are you hearing for some of the young guys like uh, Paul Bryan and Riley Jones to get back on the field and have a chance to rip in to some New South Wales Cup for development? Uh, Kip, I don't know. P- Paul Bryan did his uh, knee, ACL. I'd be surprised. I, I wouldn't be surprised if they keep him out for the full season and make sure that he's right to come back. I don't know that there's any benefit of him coming back and playing half a dozen games at the back end of the season. Um, just for the sake of it. So I don't know what their plans are for Paul Bryan as far as that goes, but if it was me, I'd and I'm no medical expert, and I don't know where he's up to in his rehab, but he did it in the preseason, so it's a 12-month injury just about. So I'd be tempted to keep Paul Bryan in cotton wool until so he starts the preseason uh, for next year and, and uh, have, has a trouble-free run that way. Riley Jones, I'm not sure where Riley's up to is with his rehab. Uh, I expected him probably to be back on the field by now, so I'm not sure if he's had a setback, but obviously he's a hooker option as well that the club would have been banking on playing some games in New South Wales Cup this year, and he ha- that hasn't happened. So I might check up on him and, and come back to you, Kip, on that one. Uh, and finally, Ben Purser. Is Joey saying KP should go back to fullback a problem for the coaching staff? It's clear he and the staff have made the call to be a six if your attacking coach is now saying otherwise then he is not on board it seems or is he doing it for clickbait same issue fans have with phil gould yeah look ben um it's an interesting one that i'm going to be taking up with uh the hierarchy actually um joey is on staff um working part-time a couple of days a week but obviously also works for channel nine and did come out last week and strongly suggest that Kalen ponga should go back to fullback which um to his credit adam o'brien didn't take any notice of um yeah that's an interesting one that's and, and i know there's been a lot of media about phil gould and and the fact that he's um his commentary on channel nine whether that's a you know whether he's um the fact that he's working heavily with the Bulldogs uh, is a conflict of interest. Um, so you could probably argue that Andrew's stuff is a conflict of interest as well. But um, as I say, uh, Adam O'Brien picks the team. He's the one responsible for, for picking the team and he's stuck with Carlin at fullback, uh, at 5'8", and it paid dividends last weekend. Okay, that's it. A big addition. This week, I don't know how long that's gone for, but obviously longer than normal. Um, we'll be back next week. Love talking to uh, Jackson Hastings. Um, great to have the mailbag back again. Um, and it'll be back next week, hopefully after another big win over the Cronulla Sharks up there in, in Coffs Harbour. We'll catch you then. Bye.
Tui's News is a production of the Newcastle Herald Sport Desk, hosted by Barry Tui, produced by Simon McCarthy, Lisa Allen, and Sarah Editor. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you like to listen. You can support the show on the Newcastle Herald by subscribing online. Search Newcastle Herald, subscribe. And for the latest news from Newcastle and the Hunter, you can download our upgraded news app. Search Newcastle Herald in the App Store or on Google Play. Special thanks to this week's guest, Jackson Hastings. Thanks for coming on, mate. And uh, thanks, as always, to our sponsor, West Group, who keep the lights on. That's it for this week. Baz will be back with another special guest on Thursday. We'll see you then.